Hi everyone, Chuck Gatica here for a Healthier Michigan podcast. In the upcoming episodes, we'll feature conversations from the Mackinac Policy Conference, which centers around the theme, The Power of And. This theme encourages dialogue among speakers and attendees, emphasizing the importance of an inclusive approach for Detroit's policy solutions. By bridging divides and fostering nuanced thinking, the concept of the power of and promotes unity, progress, and benefits across various sectors in the state. We're continuing our conversations with conference attendees and hope you enjoy these bonus episodes. On this episode, we'll be focusing on the power of investing in youth and future of our communities. We'll be talking with downtown boxing gym youth program founder and CEO, Kali Sweeney, and executive director, Jessica Hauser, Detroit Pal CEO, Fred Hunter, and Dutton Farm CEO, Jenny Brown. First up is Downtown Boxing Gym Youth Program founder and CEO, Kali Sweeney, and Executive Director, Jessica Hauser. It's good to see both of you. Good to be here. Nice to be here. I have to be nice to you. because you both box or are you both into it? or Not at I, all. Uh, Not... I was going to pretend, yes. Yes? <laughs> you know what? I took boxing lessons and I can take a 90-pound gym bag. That's about it. I don't know about a person, <laughs> but I'm really mean against a bag. No, I don't box. No, not at all. Well, let's talk about this idea. 2007 going back. We love to talk in this grouping of episodes about the past, present, and future. Downtown Boxing Gym, you've been providing academic and an athletic program for kids age 8 to 18, right? Yes. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Right. So it is a program that really focuses on the whole child. Our kids are with us for years. So Kali started in 2007 to create a space that he wished he would have had growing up in the city. Yeah. And it was, you know, the bottom line is for kids to really be able to be seen and heard and have a safe space to figure out who they are. Okay. And then it's up to the adults in the space to recognize all those light bulb moments and build resources and support around that. So our kids are with us all year round for years. We really can create a pipeline of success. And for years should not be lost. I mean, this can take them all the way past 18, what, to age 25, right? Yeah. We got a dedicated staff that work with them through college too. Oh, no kidding. Yes. So does this become then influencers in their life? This is way more than just a safe place, a training ground. This sounds like it's more critical than that. Yeah. We have mentors that stick with them Actually, I'm leaving early to go to a graduation. The kid put me down as his father. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's a high compliment. Yeah. 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 And it's, it is hyper-individualized support. So we know two kids experience the same downtown boxing gym. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, literacy intervention, math intervention. That then leads to, like I said, those exposure moments to internships, to college selection, to career. So it truly is yeah. every step of the way. We work really close with our families as well. And when you see kids come in the door age eight or 10, are they coming in for a particular reason? What's drawing them in? Is the family coming in and saying this or how are these kids getting to you? Right now it's just word of mouth. Um, oh. A lot of people hear about success stories in the, the program and it's like you seeing kids going from straight F students to becoming honor roll students and getting accepted into some of the best colleges in the country. Wow. Um, you know, it's, that spreads like wildfire. You know, we have so many kids that are coming in and, and just like jumping from two, like two grade levels. Yeah. That, that spreads quickly. So is it the academics that's the first on-ramp when they're walking in the door or is it a, is it kind of a holistic approach? It's everything. Books before boxing. Ah, interesting. That's been my motto for years. When you first walk in the door, I'm going to tell you, books before boxing. I, I make that real clear. 
Yeah, yeah, actually, of our 250 kids, none of them are competing in boxing at all. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the discipline of the sport, but yeah, not a healthy body. Now you're gonna do the exercises. Now we're gonna we're gonna go uh -huh. through the, we're gonna go through the paces. You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> run. You're gonna do some jumping jacks, push ups, all that type of stuff. If you feel like you want to hit the bag, you can hit the bag. But yeah, you're gonna hit the books first. That's intriguing. And then w what other part of this then takes them outside of your realm? Because you do have young people that are aging into now wanting to think about a career, a future, college or not, where do you start to involve mentors then from outside your community, even yeah. in business? I mean, from day one, you know, well, not day one when the kid joins, but yeah. could be as young as eight years old. We have outside folks that come and work with our elementary school students, that social network, being comfortable interacting with all different folks in different career paths is critical. So that starts at a really young age and we just build on it over time mm. and then, spe you know, make it more specialized once we really understand a kid's interest. Sometimes when people come in our building, they see our elementary classroom and they see that our elementary kids are taking finance classes. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't even understand what they're talking about. And then you go into our middle school room, you see another finance class going in there. That's a little bit deeper than that one. No kidding. And then our high school group, they're taking like they already invested in stock already. It was hilarious. We had a group of executives from S&P Global and our elementary school kids were learning about stocks. And so they had, you know, hand select a bunch of stocks and had them up on the wall. And the folks from S&P were like, man, their stocks are trending better than the S&P. Like, what is happening That's right awesome. now? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. really cool. And the, the 250 kids, are you at capacity then at 250 and with a waiting list, right? Yeah, we have a huge waiting list. We're actually working right now to raise funds to build a second building to be able to double our capacity in Detroit. Yeah. And we also built out a franchise model to respond to the global demand to scale our program. And is that being scaled anywhere else outside we're, of Detroit? Yeah. We're narrowing down a couple of different groups to be able to pilot. We are we have worked with informally worked with some groups that are using our model. Okay. So we know we were able to test out what we can pass off, but we're we're narrowing down who we're gonna pilot with right now. So near term and even beyond when you start to look at the future, new building, you're talking about things anything else you can see that is actually on the radar you can talk about that's a future push here for you and Yeah, I mean it's both the second building to be yeah. able to, to respond to the demand in Detroit and really be able to push the model out nationally and then globally. Those are steps we're actively taking right now. So I guess as a personal aside, do you have any eight-year-olds that could advise me about my portfolio? Would that be something I can look to? Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, we, we have we have quite a few kids that are crushing it with Is finance. that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting because that idea of hands-on learning versus just being pushed into topics, you yes. know, when you're doing math and maybe you don't even pick up on the vibe that you're doing math. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's so important that and in our space, that's, you know, we really have the luxury to be able to do all the hands on learning that we want. Our kids right now, our middle school and high school kids just built their own small business to make juice that they're working to sell wow. it in the Eastern market. Right. But all that includes math. And well, sure. I mean, all the business acumen that you learn and it doesn't feel like you're learning anything. You're just doing it. And then someday they'll be walking around the Michigan Policy Conference pressing the flesh and backhanding saying hi <laughs> to everybody, right? right? <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. That's a, the goal. We have a, what are the student council? The, yeah, our student council. Yeah, our student council. The, They'll probably be up here soon. Yeah, yep. well, that's great. Well, it's good to have you both drop by. 
Thank and it's you so, for having so us. good to be inspired by what's good that's happening, not just in the past, present, but also for the future of our youth in Detroit. Absolutely. Yeah, be on the lookout for our STEAM lab. That's what's coming next. Well, and that's we've just gotten done talking to the head of the Science Center. I mean, there's so much that's involved yep. in the future, whether it's AI or otherwise, right? Yeah. Yes, we do a lot with them. We love them. Yeah, this, our STEAM lab is like our kids. They all opt into it, everybody. Do Because it's optional, and our kids love the science. Yeah. They love it. Well, that's great. So there, I feel good. The future is in good hands. Well, it's good to have you both here. Thank Holly you. Sweeney, who's the founder and CEO, and Jessica Hauser, executive director of Downtown Boxing Gym Youth Program. So good to see you, and thanks for all you're doing. Thank thanks you. For yeah, us. Take good care. Next up is CEO of Detroit Pal, Fred Hunter. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, Jack. You enjoying the sunshine and the nice cool? Wonderful <laughs> Mackinac weather. So, uh, yeah, I am enjoying it. Isn't it nice? Yeah. So Detroit Pal started back in the late 60s, and it began as uh, Police and Youth and Sports, as PAYS, not as PAL, a different acronym. Talk about what PAL was and what it's become now. Yeah, the timing was significant. So 1969, um, understanding about two years after 1967, yeah. and just the, the real gap that there was between law enforcement and the community. So police officers got together. Judith Baer, a policewoman, said, we need to do something. So she said, let's connect with young people in sports. And that was where PAYS came from. Yeah. You know, so that was the uh, original beginning. And then they realized there's the national organization, which is, uh, you know, the Police Athletic League and Police Activities League. Yeah, and continuing to this day, has the mission changed? No, the mission is uh, still on point. It's connecting with the community and really lifting up the community. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we do what we do in mission with Detroit Police Department. So that's part of our mission, Yeah, DPD and community volunteers to help youth find their greatness in a variety of ways. And what kind of sports are youth involved in with the help of PAL? Yeah, so there's 12 different sports. So, okay. uh, so we lead with sports, sports, you know, from what you get out of uh, embracing a healthy lifestyle and just the learnings and the life lessons you uh, gain from sports. So 12 different sports, which gives a lot of opportunity and uh, a variety for parents and for kids. So from football yeah. to basketball, baseball, soccer, volleyball, track and field, tennis. So a lot of different options for youth ages four all the way up to 18 for some of our sports. And it really, uh, you know, reaches the community with those offerings in, in sports, in addition to what we do with youth enrichment and other programs. And it seems like just of the sports you named of those 12, there are many of them that you would not necessarily associate with kids in a neighborhood. I mean, you know, growing up, I grew up in inner city Chicago and then eventually wound up in Detroit, but I wasn't exposed to track and field. Maybe if I went off to high school or college, that wasn't something I would have been exposed to as a young kid. Yeah, and it's important to us because there's a, a lot of talent in our young people yeah. and it, it may not be just in basketball, just in football, just in cheer. So we want to have the offerings. And, you know, one of the sports I didn't mention is hockey as well, which yeah. we just brought back and had a lot of kids that had uh, pal hockey, you know, which they played and loved the sport. So we just believe in giving those opportunities and, and letting kids choose, you know, what they have a passion for and what they can develop for either in the sport or just loving the game as well. How does that connectivity with Detroit police officers manifest itself then? So we know the sports are going on. I've got the, I'm a kid. I've got these choices with the help of parents to figure out a, a, an off-ramp to see if it works. Where are the police involved in that? Yeah, a couple of different ways. So DPD, we have three officers, you know, four DPD officers that are assigned to PAL. Okay. So they game plan with us in terms of, you know, what the programs were running and how they could be involved with the uh, the DPD presence. So, you know, they'll be present, but they also recruit other uh, uh, police officers, you know, to engage as uh, volunteers or to be available. Um, so that's one way. 
The other way is this intentional programming that connect youth to police officers in a positive way. So we worked in partnership with the Ford Motor Company, you know, in 2020, in the pandemic, after George Floyd, we developed wow. a program called Ford Critical Conversations. So we're bringing together young people and officers over seven weeks to have genuine, honest conversations, which range from social media, police brutality, fact versus fiction. And what we found is from that program, kids, 58% of the kids entering the program didn't have respect for police. And that went up to 83% that, you know, grew in the respect for police. So it's it's something that is, uh, you know, changing the game in terms of that relationship with police officers. And, you know, that's wonderful to hear because a lot of what you're doing could be considered heavy lifting, right? I mean, it's personal touch in a world where we were told to socially distance from each other. And you're saying even during the pandemic, you're able to start an initiative that connects the dots of humans to humans, right? It's not just through social media. Yeah, we did. And it was a, it was excellent. We started in a, a virtual model, um, yeah. but we wanted to connect because we didn't just want the conversations to go on nationally and outside without our officers being able to, you know, really interact with young people. So the first two years we did it virtually. This past year, we not only did it in person with four schools, you know, two DPSCD schools, two charter schools, but we also with four were able to launch that program into Buffalo, New York, Houston, Texas, oh. and Memphis, uh, Tennessee as well. So it's uh, expanding and we're seeing similar great results, you know, from that program. So it's, I think it's a little easier maybe for us to envision the possible uh, benefits for all the kids that could be involved. What about for parents? What kind of feedback do you get from parents? Yeah, so parents love the programming because when, you know, you got a four-year-old, a five-year-old, or 11 or 12-year-old, you're looking for a quality program yeah. that can be in a safe environment that has a focus on developing your children. So we work in partnership with parents, you know, many of our volunteers, and we can't do what we do without volunteers. Many are parents that not only are coaching their uh, son or daughter's team, but they're coming alongside and bringing, uh -huh. you know, 10 or 12 others. So for parents, it's the option. And then the joy they see of their kid uh, learning a sport, you know, participating in the youth enrichment program and growing and developing. Then there's another potential group that maybe I don't focus on as much. What are the cops getting out of this? What do you hear back from the Detroit police officers about the rewards that they're seeing, hearing about from their involvement. Yeah, it, it's important for officers because it's a tough task they have in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the community safe. Yeah. And many times, you know, for adults and even children, they're seeing them at their worst, you know, in trauma, the worst day ever. So with the programs that we do, they have an opportunity to be proactive, yeah. to work with youth, to develop them. We've got, you know, one officer that works in the uh, homicide division, but he's also a leader for one of our football programs, and he's engaged. Wow. He's developing young people. He's helping them grow. So it gives that balance to police officers to really lift up the community, which is, you know, why they're doing it. They pledge to serve yeah. and protect. This gives them an opportunity to serve. There's an old quote that I, I can't attribute to anybody, but it, it goes something like a man has never really done more for a young person than gotten down on bended knee to help them. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we're seeing with PAL is exactly what's happening. We've got Detroit police officers getting down to the level of a six-year-old to help that kid and the future that's ahead of them can be brighter. Yeah, they're engaging it. And literally with, uh, we've got little kickers programs, little putters <laughs> programs. So they are the four, five, and six-year-olds, but they understand the long-term vision. So if yeah. they can 
help develop the young person, but also give that young person a positive view of law enforcement. And that sticks with them through their life. So they understand they may see things that happen with individuals, but they've also met individuals that care about them and want their best. So Fred, when you look at the future now of PAL, is part of the excitement that you're able to offshore, you know, what great work you've done here to other communities across the country? What what do you see as the future? Yeah, it's a combination. So yeah. it's one, the, the needs in Detroit, you know, yeah. so even after the pandemic, you know, just from seeing the uh, the learning loss that happened, not just over a summer, but over two years. Yeah. And our kids need quality programs. So there's a lot that we do on the sports side, but what we can also do for youth enrichment. So we're leaning into, you know, with partners in the literacy and into STEM program and, okay. into, you know, career and college exposure and entrepreneurship. So we know the needs are strong and we want to be steady and grow to be able to reach more children, you know, with the programs that we have. And then when we've got successful programming, then we can say, hey, here's a model that works. And whether it's Critical Conversations or other programs and Flint or Grand Rapids, we love yeah. to partner with cities and communities and bring best practices to their communities to, you know, lift up their children and, and our parents as well. That's great stuff. Well, it's good to have you with us. Thanks for dropping by. Yeah, thank you. So glad to be here, Chuck. Appreciate the opportunity. Chuck. Oh, sure thing. Fred Hunter, who's the CEO of Detroit Pal. Take good care. Yep, you as well. Thank you. And finally, CEO of Dutton Farm, Jenny Brown. It's nice to see you. Happy to see you. Happy to be here. Isn't it a nice conference? Beautiful day, beautiful conference. My first time here, so it's been great. Yeah, Yeah. so what's your impression of the whole thing? Fantastic. I love the casual atmosphere, great relationships being built, conversations being had. I'm learning a lot, so happy to be here. So tell us about Dutton Farm and your connection to it. Yeah, so Dutton Farm is a nonprofit located in Rochester, but we serve Oakland and Macomb counties. We're contracted in the behavioral health system to provide services to adults with developmental disabilities in workforce development, access to community, and transferable job skill building. And there's a motivation here that's in your family, right? Your sister? Yep, so I have a sister who is talented and smart and wonderful and good-hearted and kind and hardworking, and she has Down syndrome. So upon graduation from high school, for her, she was left with little opportunity and Mm. just faced rejection and disappointment, where for me, when I graduated high school, I was faced with endless opportunity got my bachelor's in political science and sociology, was enrolled in law school, played college basketball, all of the things, right? So we came from the same family, but my future trajectory looks so much different than hers. So as she was stuck at home, and I cannot fathom a career in justice, right, when there's injustice in my own home. Yeah. So I ended up doing a complete 180 to formalize a nonprofit for my sister and her friends and didn't realize that it would continue to grow and I would be able to encounter so many wonderful people that were really kind of ignored and forgotten in our society and needed just to build some bridges and some pathways to help them access community and to explore their gifts and to find success and employment. So at Dutton Farm, with your sister included, what kind of disabilities outside of Down syndrome would we see? So individuals with autism, individuals with cerebral palsy, individuals with maybe just intellectual impairments. There's some individuals that have fragile X. It, you know, just depends. But as long as they're contracted in behavioral health with community mental health in Oakland or Macomb County, we're authorized to provide those specific services. Have things changed coming through and out of the pandemic? Have they gotten better or worse for opportunities for 
those you serve? Employment, definitely. I think a lot of people are really thinking differently and, and trying to be creative mm. about how they recruit, onboard, and retain talent. Yeah. Um, I think HR is wise to start to get creative and think differently because, you know, someone maybe with autism, that's a really perfect fit for a specific job. For instance, we were working with somebody that was brilliant in accounting and numbers, but had a really hard time getting through the interview. But the interview questions that were being asked had nothing to do with his job. So if we could just rethink the way that we interview this gentleman, he became yeah. one of their best employees at an accounting firm, working full-time, previously unemployed and completely dependent on government benefits, and now has his own apartment and is gainfully employed. So outside of that particular story, what other work opportunities are you seeing that are opening up for the future? Across all industries. Yeah. We're in about 15 to 20 different industries. It might be sales, marketing, light manufacturing, production, custodial health and fitness. I think something that we really focus on is not pigeonholing somebody with a disability towards a specific job because that's just how it's always been done. Right. We're really specific to what are these individuals' specific skill sets, their desires, their passions, and then we work to find an employment opportunity for, for what their skills are. So what can all of us do to support an effort like this? Can we be more um, filled with grace when we encounter someone who may be gifted in numbers and not gifted in another realm? What can we do as individuals to be supportive? So, I mean, if you are the employer, hire inclusively. I mean, yeah. the data shows, I mean, we all understand the, the moral case for being inclusive, but the data shows that this is good business. Um, companies that champion inclusion for people with disabilities far outperform those that do not, from top line to bottom line, to company culture, to customer satisfaction. So become a company that champions hiring inclusively. Mm -hmm. And if you're working for a company, talk to your ERG group or your supervisor about, you know, taking inclusion seriously and, and not just make it a, a branding or marketing statement, but actually doing it and being open-minded that you'll learn a lot more and get a lot more from having a relationship with somebody with a disability than you'll ever give to them. I think that's an intriguing way that we tend to think of things. I know in my family, I've seen it because of care my daughter used to give to other children with disabilities that you get a lot more oh, out yeah. of the deal. And it's not lost on most people that that's possible, but I've just experienced it myself. I really do. You really get more out of it when you're helping. And that's one of the themes If well, that's the big theme of this conference, the power of and, to bringing in others into places that maybe they've been forgotten. And you'll be surprised at how much more you get from, from yeah. being inclusive. So looking ahead, what do you see as your challenges and where do you see opportunities then that maybe you haven't talked about? So looking ahead, I mean, there's so much opportunity. There's so much need. We have the infrastructure. We have an incredible team. And we're just trying to figure out how to scale and be able to launch in different counties to be able to take our model and really explode this idea of employment of people with disabilities that have spent sometimes two decades unemployed and really wow. helping engage them into the job market across the state. So Jenny, then is your uh, is the farm open architecture? If somebody in another county or state were interested, are you able to provide them with the model? Yes, absolutely. Oh, it's all wonderful. packaged up and ready yeah. to go. We're just waiting for opportunities for an RFP from different counties. There are those community mental health that we can it's just, you yeah. know, all already set, ready to go. Supply them with the information that they need and then get started. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for all the work you yeah. do. Yeah, you're encouraging and an inspiration with your personal story of change and then all the lives you're touching. Your fingerprints are on so many. Thanks for this opportunity. Oh, sure thing. It. Jenny Brown, who's the CEO of Dutton Farm. Take good care. Thanks.
Thanks for listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show and you want to know more, check out a healthiermichigan.org slash podcast or leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcast or Spotify. To get new episodes on your smartphone or tablet, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.